0: Live from the 10,000 mile club, somewhere over America, it's the 10 golden rules internet marketing skycast.
1: Welcome to the 10 golden rules of internet marketing podcast, featuring the latest strategies and techniques to drive traffic to your website and convert that traffic into sales. Now here's the CEO of 10goldenrules.com, Jay Berkowitz.
0: Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Whatever time this podcast finds you, welcome to episode number 45. I flew back from Blog World in Las Vegas, and I was totally committed to recording my first ever Skycast. Now, the good news was that I scored an exit row seat. The bad news, it was really, really loud over the engines, and I could barely hear myself talk. So. All I was able to do was record that intro from somewhere over America, flying back to Florida. So here we are in the 10 Golden Rules studio, also known as my den or man cave. I know you'll appreciate the audio quality for the rest of the show. Speaking of audio quality, we have the second half of my conversation with author, podcaster, blogger extraordinaire, Mitch Joel. And that's coming up later in the show. And we were able to fix the audio a bit. We played the first half on our last episode. And by using the Levelator software, Levelator sets the audio for two or more speakers at the same volume. So I think this week's version of the interview will sound a lot better than last week's somewhat tinny version of Mitch Joel. We have some great conversations coming up. I met the founder of a really hot internet startup called Posterous and another hot internet category, which is member sites. You guys have heard me talking a little bit about membership and member sites, Tim Kerber is the founder-owner of MemberGate. We'll also play conversations with At Jet Blue's John Dowdy and New York Times best-selling author Keith Ferrazzi. All of those are in the can, and I'll try and get them out in fast order. We had a great week at 10 Golden Rules. It was our sixth anniversary. On 1010, Jason from IWearYourShirt.com wore our beautiful new 10 Golden Rules shirt, and he tweeted about it and Facebooked and Flickered and Twittered and YouTubed. So if you'd like to see the life of a professional t-shirt wearer, check out IWearYourShirt.com. We also launched the InternetMarketingClub.org. And if you're listening to this podcast, this group is definitely for you. We already have members from all around the world, Indonesia, Tunisia, Bolivia, Mexico, Canada, Israel, and all over the United States. And the community is really vibrant. Everyone's blogging and chatting and posting great videos and, and setting up events. So the community is off to a really great start and it's really just intended for all of us to have a place to hang out, to network, to make connections, and to share great content when we come across it. Now in terms of creating content, we are going to record a live webinar each week. The first one will feature the superstars of Twitter and they will share tips for you to build your Twitter following. Between the group, they have over 75,000 followers. Mahe Foliaki, a Tongan, who we met on this podcast on episode number 32, will call in from Sydney, Australia, to tell us how he became the world's most retweeted individual. Gail Goodwin goes by the Twitter handle Inspire Me Today. She has over 20,000 followers, and most of her tweets are absolutely about a good cause or a good feeling, totally upbeat. And one of the legends of internet marketing and publishing, author of Twitter Revolution, Warren Whitlock will round out our band of merry Twitter followers. So please register at internetmarketingclub.org. Don't forget it is a .org extension. I always like to do the Where's Waldo section of this podcast because it gives me the opportunity to connect with you if you're going to be at any of the upcoming conferences that I'm speaking at. I met a number of super cool listeners to this show at PubCon, including Keith Burtis, Wood Turner, and Social Media Guru. I met Joel LaBava from Cleveland, Ohio. Another Clevelander, Mr. Jimmy Kukrul. The BizWeb coach was out in Vegas. Ellen Rowan and a bunch of great folks who are fans of 10 Golden Rules podcast. And it was really, really great to meet in person. So I'll let you know where I'm going to be, and hopefully we can connect. We we always set up these great networking dinners. I'll be back in Las Vegas for Webmaster World PubCon. That takes place November 10, 11, 12, 13. I'll be back in Miami for SIPA, the Specialized Information Publishers Association, and that will be November 13. Be in Dallas for a full-day social media seminar on December 4th. I'd love to meet up with all of you live at one of these upcoming shows. All of the dates and the contact information for me is at 10goldenrules.com. And if we're not connected on Twitter, please follow me, twitter.com slash jberkowitz. And if I don't follow you back, just send me a little tweet. Write at jberkowitz in your tweet. And and that's a great way to connect with me or anyone else on Twitter because most of us follow our at mentions. And anytime you use our Twitter name in a tweet, we're going to notice that in 99% chance I will follow you back. Well, I think that's enough housekeeping, so let me turn the show over to you. Our call in line is 206-888-6606, and the first call this week comes from Neil Bryce at Surface
2: 9. Hey Jay, how are you? This is Neil Bryce at Surface 9 over here in Sandy, Utah. Anyway, I had a quick question for you. There's so much stuff out there, so much information, and I'm feeling information overload, almost overwhelmed by all the products and things. My question is, how do you focus on what's important and leave the other stuff behind? Thanks a lot and enjoy your show. Love it. Bye-bye.
0: Hey, thanks so much, Neil. Thanks for participating and thanks for your kind words about the show. I'm with you on information overload. We all get it once in a while. My best advice, first off, is go for quality and recognize that the quantity of information is way beyond any of our ability to consume. I mean, just for example... There are 20 hours of YouTube videos uploaded every single minute. That's incredible. Almost a full day of video is uploaded every minute. So physically, there's absolutely no way you could watch it unless you had like 20 screens going at one time and you, know, you really wouldn't be paying attention. So look, pick your favorites, pick your top blogs, pick the top sources on Twitter and prioritize. One of my secrets is actually podcasting and you guys have all figured this one out. I find I can stretch time by listening to great podcasts. It basically gives me the chance to listen to audio while I'm waiting in line at the bank, while I'm commuting, driving into Miami, while I'm walking my dog. I do it while I'm working out on the elliptical machine or hitting the weights. All you have to do is have an iPod and have the audio in your ear. And a lot of content is covered in multiple mediums. So a lot of times you think, wow, if I don't read all the blogs, if I don't read all the newsletters, I'm going to miss out on things. But if you listen to this podcast and some of the great marketing podcasts, Christopher S. Penn and John Wall on Marketing Over Coffee, 4 Immediate Release, Shell Holtz, Neville Hobson, Mitch Joel, 6 Pixels of Separation, we're going to cover a lot of the topics that you might feel the need to read on blogs. So if you're an audio learner, you'll probably be happy consuming the information in this way. Now, one other tip is to sort out your Twitter feed. I follow over 1,600 people on Twitter, but I use a tool called TweetDeck, T-W-E-E-T-D-E-C-K, TweetDeck. And that allows me to sort my followers into columns. I have a column of internet geeks, guys like Chris Brogan and Google's Matt Cuts and Mashable, Pete Cashmore and the team at Mashable break a lot of news in our industry. And what I've done is I've sorted about 50 of the internet geeks into that column. I check that column first, so I never miss any breaking news in our industry. Then I have columns for my friends, and columns for my clients, and columns for searches I'm doing. And of course, at replies, anyone who uses my name in a tweet. This lets me take a two-minute snapshot into what's happening in the Twitterverse. I can get in and out five, six, seven times a day, and I don't feel like I miss everything from the millions of tweets out there. My final tip on the topic of information overload is what I call the rule of threes. We often feel like we need to check out the newest technology as soon as we hear about it. I basically wait until the first wave of early adopters have given something a test drive. I wait to hear about something three times before I give it a go. So maybe if I read a a tweet about something, then someone mentions it on a podcast, and then maybe I see one of my geeks likes it, then I know it's worth figuring out how this new tool might fit into my life. So you don't have to jump on everything the minute you hear about it. That was a great question. I hope that helps everyone. Just for fun, I put a tweet out and I said, I'm going to record the internet marketing podcast. Does anyone want to give a shout out? Hey, who do we get here? We got Jim Kukral. We got Joe Simmons. We got Berg Bill, which is uh, Billy Berger from Seattle, Washington and Coca Bella, which is Terry Ann from, uh, she doesn't give a time zone. Oh, the university of San Francisco's internet marketing course. Of course. So Terry Ann and Jim and Joe and Bill, Thank you guys so much for joining in. We'll see if anyone else tweets in as the show goes along. Next up, Janet Wentworth from Beyond
3: Building.
1: Hi, Jay. This is Janet Wentworth of Beyond Building It, and I'm a student in your USF Internet Marketing class. I thought I would leave you a tip that I found very useful. One day I was looking for online collaboration tools that I could share with my clients, and I found a site. It's a mind map put up by Robin Good of Master New Media and it's at www.mindmeister.com slash 122 It's a really well-organized mind map of the best online collaboration tools that are out there on the web, and he has links to all the sites. So if you're looking for chat tools or desktop sharing or whatever, it's very easy to find. Uh, not only is this a great resource, but I realize this would be a fabulous tool for anybody to use who has a topic, they could create a mind map and various links and get great exposure for their own website, and it's free. By the way, I use mind maps with my own clients. Those people who really like the mind map approach find this great, and we can collaborate uh, online, so it's wonderful, and I thought perhaps your listeners would like to know about it. Thank you. Bye.
0: Hey, thank you, Janet. Thanks for um, participating and joining the conversation. I know there's a lot of mind mappers out there. I've never really mind mapped, so I think I need to check out this site. Janet mentioned she's a student in the University of San Francisco Internet Marketing Master's Certificate course. This is a course we developed with the university. It's 100% digital. You can take the course in your pajamas and we recorded the lectures on video. And it features myself and Margie from 10 Golden Rules and a team of superstar internet marketing experts, including Christopher S. Penn, Jim Kukral, Maria Harrison, Joe Laratro, It's a great course. The students have been loving it. It launched in February. And as I mentioned, you can do it all digitally, sitting at home, watching online. Next up, Eric Wolf from The Art of Storytelling with a tough question. Hey, Jay. This is Eric Wolf
2: again. We've spoken before. I'm a longtime listener, and I love your show. And I hope all the listeners on the current show will tune in to past shows on the iTunes feed. I'm a podcaster, as you know, and I have this great question that I'd love your input on, something I've been struggling with for at least a year. And that is, when you have a project and you realize midstream that the name is inappropriate, you need to change the name of the project. So I have a podcast, as you know, called The Art of Storytelling with Children. Initially, I started out with Storytelling with Children, and I realized in the beginning that that was an inappropriate name, so I changed it to The Art of Storytelling with Children because that's what it's about. It's about the art form of storytelling. But as the project has continued, as it's done more and more interviews, it's become more and more about the art of storytelling. And so I'm just thinking of changing the name to the Art of Storytelling, which is all well and great. But guess what? My URL is storytellingwithchildren.com. And artofstorytelling.com is taken, and so I'll have to get a funny URL. Or, I don't know. The, the point is, assuming I get a good URL that that's, makes sense for the show, is it worth it? You know, I've built up all this sort of link base and these connections to this URL, storytellingwithchildren.com, and I'm going to go back to scratch and start over again. Now, everything I know about marketing tells me that when I find a name that connects me with my audience better, it's better to switch. But everything I know about search engine optimization tells me that when I've invested into a particular URL, I should keep it. I actually have the exact same... uh, I have a personal blog called... TEH Dyslexic Storytellers Blog, and I realize that that's a terrible name, and it should be called TEH Dyslexic Ambassadors Blog, because it's all about how dyslexic people function in the world, et cetera, et cetera. But again, the same problem, exact same problem. If I switch the name, do I then lose the links that I have coming in? Do I, is, it, is it worth it? You know? And at what point is it worth it, and at what point do you bite the bullet? I'd love to hear your thoughts. So I'm looking forward to the next show. Get it up there soon. I'll be listening, and not only because I'm curious what answer is, but also because I love all the wonderful stuff you have on the stream. So I look forward to hearing you on the show.
0: Hey, Eric. Thanks for the call. I apologize for the, the call quality on that one. I have good news, bad news, and good news. Let me start with some of the good news. The good news is that you can cha- change your domain name and transfer link value by adding what are called 301 redirects. A 301 redirect tells the search engines that a page has moved and maintains the link value for the most part. So over time, you could build some more new links to your new domain, and you basically would maintain a lot of the link value from old links to your homepage or to other pages, internal pages on the site. You should use 301 redirects anytime you change a website or even anytime you create a new page, you should 301 redirect the old page address to the new page address. It's much more search engine friendly and maintains that link value. Now, the bad news, you already know. You have a specific domain and you want to shift to a broader domain that isn't available. And there are other extensions, domain extensions, like you could get a .biz or a .co. Um, and that's one everyone should watch out for. Columbia has just changed their extension, or they're in the the process of changing their extension from .com.co to just .co for Columbia. And that's going to be a pretty cool domain for a company to have .co. You want to have a .com. Obviously, there's nothing that compares to a .com. But here's the good news. I took a look at two domains, artofstorytelling.com and theartofstorytelling.com. Now, both domains are not available in the registrar, but they're not active. Now, a lot of people don't realize that just because a domain isn't available for purchase in a registrar, someone might be squatting on that domain and they don't have active plans for it. So the next step is to search the who is information. Find out the domain owner or through the registrar, you may contact the owner. Many, many times the owner of a domain is willing to sell that domain. Now, sometimes if they're professional domain squatters, they're looking to make a buck on the domain. A couple hundred dollars or something like that would not be unreasonable for a great domain like the Art of Storytelling. However, a lot of times the domain owner might have had grand plans and they weren't able to execute against the plans. And they might be willing to just give up the domain because they're paying for it every year anyways and you'd actually be saving them money. Good luck with your name change. Let us know what happens. I know you will. Next on the Cast Blaster is Jay Hall from Executive Searches. Hi, my name is Jay Hall and I'm
2: with execsearches.com. And I have a question about Twitter today. And I'm on Twitter at FJAY Hall. And recently my company's Twitter account at execsearches received high praise from one of our followers. And I was curious what your advice would be about what to do with that particular tweet. Should we retweet it? Should we just thank the individual? It seems like great marketing, and I want to know what's an appropriate way to go about using such a tweet without seeming overzealous and patting ourselves on the back. Thank you, and keep up the great work with the podcast. I love listening.
0: Thanks, Jay. You guys are so nice. That is a tough call. When someone says something nice about you on Twitter, do you retweet it? I'll read one. Jim Kukral just said, At Jay Berkowitz, 10 Golden Rules of Internet Marketing Podcast, best podcast on the web with an exclamation point. I would love to retweet that so that all of my followers see that. Jay, you're pointing out exactly the problem with it. Even though someone else said something nice about you and you're retweeting that, it somehow comes across a little bit egotistical when you put it out in writing. So a lot of times I think the best policy is maybe just to thank someone for a nice note and do that in your public timeline. So I could come back and say at Jim Kukral, Thanks so much for your kind words about the podcast. That is a much more sort of polite sounding Twitter tweet. And if people really want to know what Jim said, they would click on the at Jim Kukral and it would go to his Twitter timeline and they could read what he said. I think that's the best approach because sort of regardless of whether you're retweeting or not, it can still come across as self-serving. Once in a blue moon, I will retweet nice things that other people say. But I think overall, you have to keep... The personal Twitter messages down to about 10% of everything that's said about you. Next up, our good friend Scott Wright with tip number four in the feature Streetwise Security Tips.
3: This is Scott Wright, the Streetwise Security Coach, with your 10 Golden Rules Streetwise Security Tip. Don't carry laptops or USB sticks with sensitive information, especially customer data, in public without encrypting them. If you aren't familiar with encryption it's really the only safe way to protect electronic data on portable devices. Encryption scrambles the data so that only you can access it with the proper password, code, or sometimes even fingerprints. But just having a password on your portable device is not enough to protect the data from being accessed by an unscrupulous individual. So if you can't encrypt the data, don't travel with it on your device. Did you know that according to the study done by Poneman Institute, as many as 12,000 laptops are lost at U.S. airports alone every week. That sounds like an unbelievably high number, but regardless, losing your laptop is not as unlikely as you might think. Tools like PGP disk, Key, or the free TrueCrypt product might save you from having to contact everyone affected if any private data is lost. Privacy laws can be really harsh on those who fail to protect private data, and as an entrepreneur, you need to take accountability for your client's private data. For more information, contact me, scott at streetwise-security-zone.com. And until next episode, stay streetwise.
0: Hey, Scott, thanks for getting those tips in. Those are great, and they're going to keep us all out of digital trouble. Next up, we have to play the 10 Golden Rules blog or podcast of the week. We haven't done this for a little while. This podcast is a, actually a video podcast. I've subscribed to it in my iTunes feed. It's filmed live every Friday. It's a lot of fun. It's got some live, you know, sort of entertainment value, some great interviews. So, without further ado, let's get to the 10 Golden Rules blog or podcast of the week. And this week, it's the HubSpot.tv podcast. And let me just play a sample from HubSpot TV.
4: It's HubSpot.
2: HubSpot TV. Live! Hi, folks. Welcome to HubSpot TV. It's October 2nd, 2009, and we're coming to you live from Cambridge, Massachusetts. I'm Karen Riven.
5: And I'm Mike Volpe. And And I'm
4: here. I know. You're like a... You're like a mirage. It's so exciting to have you here.
2: No, I should be going. Like this. I know, I know, I know. I was trying to
4: right. It's like you must but I'm be here. a big
2: superstar if you can't make it to your own TV
4: show every so often.
0: <laughs> I thought it was your show, and you just had me on. We also have a big announcement. You know, well, which we like to party around are you talking here. I was going to go to that? Okay,
6: great.
2: We like to party around here. We love an opportunity to throw a party, and we have a really good one. Uh, Brian Halligan and Dharma Shaw, our two fearless co-founders, just wrote their very own book. It's called Inbound Marketing.
0: I, I want to know why, why you had to look at the cover of the book to know what the title
1: was.
4: Honestly, You're I like, it's
1: called was, Inbound Marketing.
4: I wasn't sure if I needed
2: to say the part about Get Found no, using Google social media and The blogs. important parts of the top. It's just the Inbound Marketing book. And this is one of only two copies. It's outside.
0: So I think that gives you a little sense of the repartee that goes on. Um, Mike Volpe is a very sharp internet marketer. Karen Rubin is entertaining and she has the best smile in podcasting and video casting. And they do a really, really great job. They've had some great guests on there. Chris Brogan, Biz Stone, one of the co-founders of Twitter, David Meerman Scott, on and on and on. So I highly recommend HubSpot TV. You can find it on iTunes. It's called the Inbound Marketing Podcast. Here's a follow up from Susan Bratton talking about talk show tips.
6: This is Susan Bratton, host of Dishy Mix, fan of 10 Golden Rules, and author of the Talk Show Tips system. If you're a podcaster, information product marketer, a blogger, or a radio host, and you conduct interviews, talk show tips can turn your audience into raving fans who promote your work for you. Talk Show Tips 72 Secret Master Host Techniques teaches you how to prepare and produce riveting interviews and learn to promote your work with free social influence marketing strategies. Want to know how to effortlessly generate killer questions for your next interview? Get my free easy question generator mini course today at talk show tips. With the magic of 10, I'll teach you how to come up with great questions nobody else has ever asked and Just for 10 Golden Rules listeners, go to talkshowtips.com slash discount. Use promo code GOLDEN and get Talk Show Tips for over $50 off just for listening to Jay's show. Well,
0: thanks, Susan. Check it out. I've been getting through a bunch of the materials. And if you do a blog, if you do a podcast, if you do any kind of expert interviews in anything you do, you definitely want to check out the tips. Susan's an amazing interviewer. And she's a great interview too. If you heard her on episode 43, go to talkshowtips slash discount, use the promo code GOLDEN, and I think you actually get $100 off of the package of information. Well, without further ado, let's get to part two of our great interview with Mitch Joel. If you guys didn't hear part one, let me tell you a little bit about Mitch. He was actually the guy who's responsible for me getting into podcasting. He was so kind in telling me which software to use and how to get a mic and different things about loading up the podcast and getting it digitally recorded and how to get on iTunes and on and on and on. He's very giving with his quality content. You're going to find great stuff on twistimage.com slash blog. You can find a link to the podcast there. The podcast is called The Six Pixels of Separation. Mitch is a great friend, a great guy. And let's get to part two of our conversation with Mitch Joel. The next section I want to get into, you said in the book, having the prettiest website is not the goal. And you should never have a technology company build your websites. Websites should have the following things. Let's discuss a few of them. They should be clean and easy to navigate. Why don't you talk a little bit about what the important parts of a website are?
4: Jay,
5: I gotta say first off, most people say they read the book and have You actually read the book. This is pretty cool. <laughs> if the first goal of the website doesn't enable and empower the user to actually get the result they were looking for, all is lost. Uh, that's just, we live in a world now where, uh, you, know, you know, again, Avinash Koshik is the analytics evangelist at Google, who wrote the book Web Analytics in Our Day. He says, you don't control your homepage, Google does. And it's so true, right? People don't go to a website and then start looking through, you know, hey, I'm looking for a red lipstick at uh, Macy's. So you go know, to Macy's.com, uh, you know, uh, women, beauty, cosmetics, beauty products, makeup, Revlon, lipstick, right? You don't navigate like that anymore. You go into Google, well, you do a search, you click on the link, that search takes you to a page. If that page is not intuitive, natural, easy, and in direct relation to that search result, all is lost. You're going to lose that client. That's why one of the bigger metrics we're looking at in terms of web analytics is that bounce rate, right? How many people come onto the site and leave without ever clicking on anything else, right? What you're saying, what essentially happens is when they search, they came to your site and found you, and that's not for me. They left. That's it's unacceptable in this day We can't have that. And so my whole thing is a, a lot of people that technology get in the way of the user experience, and you know it's not just sort of a foundation part of my agency which it is, usability, functionality, navigation, user flow, and influence, it needs to be on everybody's brain. They need to know that you know having my stock ticker on the homepage might not be the most important thing to the consumer. And it's just a new way of thinking about really making the flow work for the consumer. It's taken decades for retail stores to figure out how to get consumers into the door, and then once they're in, through the flow of the store effectively. You know, we'll, we'll look at uh, cases like Ikea as a great example of making people sort of work through the store. And then you look at places like Walmart for how effectively they lay things out so that people can find things easier. We need to make our sites more like that. The difference is we don't have the years and pedigree that a lot of these retailers have. And so we have to get better at it faster. On
0: the same list where you talked about what a website should have, if you said it should be clean and easy to navigate and it should appeal to the type of consumer who will visit. But then you went on to say you should have engaging media beyond text. You should have several calls to action to move the consumer to something. It should be tied to other social channels. It should be search-friendly. It should be built to link. It should be constantly refreshed and refocused. Where's that balance between simple and easy to navigate, the great book I love on web design by Steve Krug,
3: don't, don't, make don't, don't
0: make me think, Where's the balance between don't make me think, simple, clean, easy to navigate, and engaging media beyond text and several calls to action? Like, where do you find the right balance?
5: I, I think that to get to the point where it doesn't make someone think, you need that. You know, we live in a world where people are very connected to different types of media. We know that if you put an image on your blog post, it's more likely to get viewed. People like visuals. People want it simple. They want to be able to watch a simple video about what the product is. I find it insane that in this day and age, we think simplicity is a small, little, you know, one-by-one one picture in a square box. And this isn't going to work for us anymore. People are used to more engaging experiences. I think what happens is you can read a paragraph like that and think that I'm making it complex, but I'm not. I'm actually saying this is how you simplify it. You make the media the way in which people want to consume the media. You make things easier for them to find calls to action. You know, we we, we all know how that works, right? Never more than three. More than three is confusing. But if you're on a red lipstick, you know, a page, going back to that red lipstick, Revlon red lipstick, uh, you need calls to action there. You know, if you love this lipstick, you might be interested in our foundation. You're just making it easier and more intuitive for the consumer to really go through and understand the full holistic experience you have. You know, think about Amazon. Do you think that by having all those functionalities on the page, people who bought this also bought that, the recommendation engines, the peer reviews, make it more complex or less complex? It actually makes it much simpler for the consumer to make a decision. And so the whole the overarching idea there, Jay, is that as a business owner, your site has to be dynamic. It has to consistently and and, and constantly give consumers what they need to make a decision better. And not only that, you want them to make that decision on your site. You don't want someone looking at some basic information on your site and then hopping over to a site that has more information, peer reviews, recommendation engines, because they just feel like it's a better experience there. And so ultimately what we're saying is to create a better experience, we need to give people the things they're most accustomed to, the things they like, and the things that will be most helpful to them. And a lot of the times it is basic calls to action. I think about my blog and it's like, listen, if you're reading my about section and it's interesting to you, you might want to have me speak. But if all I have is a little link on the top left in my general navigation of speaker, it's not going to be helpful. But at the bottom, if there's something that says, if you think Mitch has something to say, he's willing to say to your audience, click here a little more about speaking, I'm making it easier and more intuitive for my consumers to buy from.
0: Excellent. Another chapter, you talked about the power of communities, and you said this is really one of the important up-and-coming opportunities. I recently set up a community on Ning, which is a free website with a paid model where you can create your own community, and we'll be talking a lot more about that in the next few podcasts. People are really going to be looking for unique communities, smaller, more specific communities as Facebook and MySpace get so big. Talk a little bit about your vision for these smaller, more specific communities.
5: I got really excited when I saw Ning come out. Ning really allows anybody to create their own, um, for their own, their own online social network for free. It's also the back end to what Radiohead and Van have had 50 Cent, or 50 Cent as I like to call them, have been, have been using um, to sort of build their own social network. I think that Facebook and Twitter and other components that have online social networking functionalities are very powerful. They allow you to connect to a whole different group of people. I think there's something to be said about smaller niche-based communities simply because if you look at the model of a small, medium-sized business, yes, you want to present an outpost in, in many of these places so that you're there, and you're active, and people can find you. But to really have a good conversation, you need to sort of bring the numbers down. As you see on Twitter, right, the more followers you have and the more people you follow, the harder it is to really have a great conversation. And so I'm really of the mindset lately that it's going to be, it's not an either or, I think it's a with. You know, one of my favorite sayings is everything is with, not, instead of. So I don't think we're going to leave Facebook for that. I think what we're going to see is a lot of people branching off and creating their own little networks, whether they're online social networking based or listserv or a forum that just really brings together the more passionate people like us, who want to have more in-depth conversation around them. I really have hopes that that blogs will continue on their path and continue to grow because I think blogs actually provide a bit of that platform as
0: well. Another great piece of content in the book and also I really, really enjoyed an interview you did on your podcast with Brett Hurt, the CEO of a company called Bizarre Voice. Bizarre Voice is a tool or a function or website that allows you to add consumer reviews to your website. And you and Brett talked about the importance of adding consumer reviews, which is an extension of community. In some examples, he shared the site improved their conversion or their percentage of sales over 50%. And he even talked about the power of including bad reviews, that that really improves the performance of the website. You want to talk a little bit about your conversations with Brett and also your real life experiences with some of your clients' sites.
5: We don't really, we never really interfaced at a business level with Bizarre Voice. I've met Brett, I've been engaged with Brett through Shop.org, which is a, an association for online merchants. He's part of the NRF, the National Retail Federation, of like the National Rifle Association. He's just a fascinating guy. He's, a, I really think he's a prodigy. His, his first strike in business was Core Metrics, and then he sold Core Metrics and went on to do Bizarre Voice. So, real analytics guy, a real scientific guy, but also a real consumer-driven guy. This idea of peer reviews is so powerful. We talked a little bit about it earlier, how consumers really trust other consumers and like-minded people. And I I think what was really fascinating with Brett is it's very rare you hear something that surprises you. And when Brett told me that a negative review converts more effectively to a sale than a positive review, I was sort of surprised. It surprised me even when I say it now, sort of like, how does that even make sense? But what is essentially going on here is that there's a trust-based thing happening where people trust the site and will continue on on that site even if it left the bad review. So bad reviews definitely help. The other part which is more important and sort of more relevant to this conversation is the idea that it's semantics. If, if i say to you uh, i need a camera because so i gotta take pictures of my family such, so it's a simple point to shoot and then your answer back is well the camera you're looking at you know i'm a 20 year professional photographer it's got very limited manual functionality it doesn't have a great focus lens it but you know it probably is only really good if you're trying to take pictures of your family that negative review is actually a positive review to me it works for me and so what we're seeing also is the sort of real rise of power semantics and natural language. You're in a cheap hotel and you want the Tripadvisor, And the person says, you know, there's a one out of five. And they say, you know, there wasn't a pill- uh, chocolate on my pillow. My bed wasn't turned. But, you know, the hotel staff was very nice. and It was a very quiet room. It's perfect. I was just for a cheap hotel. I do not need the chocolates on my bed being turned, right? And so we're just learning now the power of, of peer reviews. You know, one of the things we definitely tell our clients is, Open up. You know, again the idea behind Bizarro was they've served over ten billion peer reviews today and the average out of a five star rating is a four point five plus. So most people are afraid to have peer reviews because they're like, oh my god, people will say bad things about us. But what we're actually seeing is that predominantly people say good things and it's your most sort of passionate users who are commenting and reviewing.
0: I was very jealous when I first started listening to your podcast because you had six pixels of separation and I had the ten golden rules. And every time I come up with a list, I have to put 10 things on the list. And I have to say intelligent things about 10 different things. But you only had to do six.
5: Right. You just but, stopped doing it with the trick.
0: <laughs> but you made the mistake. Because in, at the end of the book, you have a section called Pushing Out into New Horizons. And uh-huh. you have a 10 list, 10 emerging trends in a six-pixels-of-separation world. So uh, take my advice. Stick to six. It's a lot easier. Uh-huh.
5: Right, I was going to do the 10 golden rules of the future of online, but I thought you might Yeah, thank
0: it. you. We would have had trademark issues. But it's
5: actually funny I, that you mention that, though, because so i got to tell you, that wasn't in the book. And one of the reasons it wasn't in the book was because I'm, I'm one of those people who hates future trends because of how none of us can see into the future, right? We all know that. And uh, But my, my, my editor really pushed and said, you know, just don't go too far, into the and that's why I called it on the horizon and not sort of future trends, because I'm actually not a fan of trending. I think there's so many things happening right now that marketers and small means and business owners aren't even looking at that trending is almost like, come on, why bother? Get the stuff that's available now
4: working
0: for you. I actually took a crack at it. My new presentation is called Web 2010, Discover the 10 Trends Defining Your Future. And we actually both covered some of the similar types of trends. Of course, we both talked about personal brands. You, you talked about personal branding. Why don't you talk a little bit about what you think people and businesses can do to build their personal brands using some of these online tools?
5: Yeah, I think at the, at the fundamental level, what, what's happening here is this isn't like you need permission. This isn't the old days where you need to write something and hope that the editor of your industry association magazine would publish. We live in a world that doesn't require permission. We use words like disintermediation, we use words like democratization, all these big words that sound like gymnasium, you know, five dollar words. But the, the, the sort of real the reality behind those words is simply that anybody and everybody can have thoughts about their industry and now share them with the world. A lot of people make the mistake of thinking that they need to have their own blog or et cetera, et cetera. And you don't. There are some already real popular blogs or podcasts probably for your industry as we speak. You can just join those communities. You can add commentary, you can guest post, you can do a whole bunch of things before taking the deep dive into doing your own platform. And so it's an I you know, the idea behind building your own or sort of starting or growing your own, because I don't believe you can start to build it because it already exists. The idea would, would, would fundamentally be. listening and understanding who's out there, following them, using a tool like Google Reader or Google News Alerts to sort of track what's being said in the industry. Pick out the ones that resonate for you, follow them a little bit more, read, be active, comment a little bit, offer to contribute, and then as you sort of get your wheels beneath your feet and legs, you can sort of figure out if you want to do your own thing, if you want to do something else. Uh, My whole sort of sentiment to how to get started is to figure out where your passion lies. In my background it was obviously writing and communicating, so I was very comfortable with things like blogging and podcasting because it's what I'd done. I'd done some college radio, uh, I, I always enjoyed radio. Interviewing people sort of trained me to not all a whole lot and to sort of try and speak as clearly as possible. And so I choose platforms and networks that made sense to me while still being highly engaged before I even ever published an episode of a podcast, I try to be a guest or co-host on places like Jackie Juice and for Media Release and Inside PR, and I sort of got my legs by being active in other people's very vibrant communities. And I'm very thankful for that.
0: And thank you because I think I made my podcasting debut on the six pixels of separation by calling into your show. Oh very cool. Well I have a couple wrap-up questions and the first one is what tools are you using? What technologies do you have on your computer that either make your business life easier, or just personal productivity?
1: Yeah, great
5: question. And so I'm a, I'm a big fan of the Google Chrome OS browser. I'm a PC guy. I, I definitely use, use a ton of Mac and of iPhones and iPod Touches and stuff like that. But my, my main sort of computer is, is an ultra-portable. I've got both a Dell Latitude ultra-portable laptop, which I love, and a Sony Vaio, which I don't, I don't really use as much as I, as I used to. Um, And so I use Google Chrome as my sort of base system. I find it to be a very fast OS. Sometimes I'll go into Firefox, although I find that with a lot of the add-ons, it just sort of slows me down a little. And I'll walk you through a bit of my tabs and how my tabbing system works. Uh, My first tab is Google Reader, where pretty much I use Google Reader as my morad system to the world. I will pull anything and everything in there from blogs that I'm interested in to Google News Alerts to Technorati watch lists. Uh, to any type of feed I can grab even Twitter to a certain degree, I pull into one centralized place. I love the fact that it's web-based. Anywhere I go in the world on any computer, I can open up the reader, log into my account and boom any my entire system is there. So for me that is the primary one. Uh, everything I do feeds back into it and, and I, you know I, I give a session called a web 2.0 University where I do a sort of tools of the trade. And I think that's the big learning for most people in the sessions. There's a lot of tools, Delicious, Flickr, all this stuff. But when you feed it all into one place, it just the centralization of it makes it not much more manageable. Uh, other tabs that I've open are obviously Twitter. Uh, I also use TweetDeck for sure, which is active. But I also sort of go back and forth between the home page. Um, I do keep my Facebook page still as an open tab. I'm a big fan of Google News as well, where I've customized that section. So I've got all of the sort of major areas that are of interest to me, whether it's top stories and technology and marketing. And I even know a couple of keyword searches that are part of my overall Google News page. So I sort of like that because it's more of a mass media environment. Um, I'm following the usual places, TechMe, I have open just to sort of follow the tech space. I'm following Media Shift, which is by PBS. I love that. All Things Digital, which is the Wall Street Journal Digital Network. And uh, lately, I added recently, the New York Times has a media and advertising page that I find is just a great aggregation. And then my one little, I guess, awkward one or a weird one is something called Muck Rack. <laughs> and Muckrack is, is actually a person who's aggregated all of the Twitter feeds from journalists, and they've aggregated them by sources and beats and stuff like that. And I find it really interesting to see what's on journalists' mind. It's, it looks exactly like Twitter. It you know, follows the same thing. But it's amazing that I can click on, let's say, Business Week, and follow all the tweets from all the people who have identified themselves, journalists, as, as Business Week contributors. So I find that, that, that one absolutely amazing. Um, and then you know, I've got a bunch of little tools that i sort of used to sort of keep myself going. But those are the primary uh, web-based ones. My goal recently has been to really move myself more and more towards the cloud, to living in the Internet, where um, I don't even necessarily need anything. Meaning, like, if my hard drive exploded, God forbid, on a flight, uh, it wouldn't really matter that I could just grab another laptop. As long as I have a connection, I could have my content. And, that, and, and,
0: that's really so I'm smart.
5: Trying, I'm trying to move there. It's, it's a bit hard because I, I have been... Uh, very loyal to my the Microsoft products in terms of office and uh, you know Outlook Word, PowerPoint stuff like that. So I, I'm definitely not there with that yet. Um, but that's from a mobile side, I, I'm, I'm a Blackberry bold evangelist. I, I love their products. I've, I've been using BlackBerry since they first first came out, although I have to say I am inches away from adding a, an iPhone 3GS into the mix. And I think what I'm going to do is sort of balance the two for a while and see if I can move strictly to an iPhone. I'm not sure I can because of my sort of affinity to Outlook, but we'll see how that goes.
0: Yeah, I've got the iPhone, and it's a very expensive iPod right now.
5: Yeah, I just that I think I'm going to have a really hard time uh, with, with my Outlook and syncing and stuff like that. And I'm sure there's someone out there who's like, no, no, you just got to do that. So if you are, midgettwistimage.com, tell me how I can make it easier because <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking for solutions.
0: What podcast do you listen to? What blogs do you read? And who do you must follow on Twitter?
5: Great question. Uh, so obviously my first thought is 10 golden rules for podcasts. <laughs> Come on. That's
0: <stop laughs> very talking. good political. Yeah,
5: they, exactly. That's the point. Um, You know, audio podcasts I've been challenged with a lot lately. I have to say I've been really slowing down. I don't know why. I think part of the reason is that I got satellite uh, serious free in my car and so in the morning I, I listen to Howard Stern and I'm not really on the driving listening to the podcast. So uh, but but my must-haves really at the top of my must-have stuff before media release uh Shell Holtz and Hobson I think do an incredible job twice a week and it's sort of one of those things where even if you miss it for a while I mean, listening to that will spark so many ideas for content and new things to check out. I think they do uh, an, an absolutely tremendously powerful job. Uh, and I'm a big fan of the sort of original crew, you know, the sort of group of guys, that whether it's Inside PR or, uh, or, or Jaffe. I mean, all those people are still sort of very, very active on my brain. They're obviously marketing over coffee. Uh, I actually do follow and engage in, in a whole bunch of them. I really do love. Podcast still. I'm totally enamored by all of them. I love the Adage Video ones. Uh, the Berkman Center for Internet Research is, is great as well. Uh, you know, when I can grab the Gilmore game, that gets me excited. Uh, the Shill podcast, obviously, I'm trying to imagine the great TED Talks. And I, I really, I and mean, people are probably like, what? Yeah, I listen a ton. I'm very, very active. Uh, blogs also, you know, I, I still love following blogs. I think uh, my buddy Chris Brogan does a great job of, job of putting content out there, um, and I love the sort of bigger blogs too, your Mashables and your uh, Life Hackers and all those. Um, Andy Noman, I think has a great blog power in right between the eyes. I, I think he's a really really smart person. I still very much enjoy what Seth Godin is doing over on his blog. Um, you know Clay Shirky once in a while he's you know he's not really I, I guess he's more posting his articles but. Love that presentations Zen. Um, there's there I mean I've literally been following thousands and thousands of them I'm sure it's just an, an insane amount of content that I, I have there um, Twitter it, Twitter is, it's sort of there are some amazing people on Twitter but I gotta say there's such volume that at some point it's sometimes hard to pull the, to sort of even even focus on who's great. I love Jay Rosen. I think he's doing amazing stuff on Twitter. I think Jeff Jarvis is highly compelling on Twitter. Um, there are people like uh, Stowe Boyd, who is also always providing value. I am a different type of Twitter user. I think I'm less interested in sort of mundane, this is what I'm doing, this is what I'm about. I'm really more engaged by the people who are sharing content or saying very, very pithy and smart and wise things. Uh, there's a guy based in Montreal called Arjun Basu, who's also great. He's uh, the editorial director over at spa Facts. and so his professional spa Facts feed is great content. And as Arjun Basu, he does these very cool things he calls Twisters, where he writes pieces of fiction and 140 characters or less. But he's, re- I and mean, I know a lot of people sort of roll their eyes when they hear that this guy is really, really good at it. Uh, and, and they're they're usually very, very engaging and things that I look at.
0: I have uh, yeah. I have one Sorry. final question. Go for it. So I can go on and on I'm going to take one thing away your cell phone or your Twitter. And you can only keep one. What do you keep?
5: I'll definitely take away Twitter, for sure. I mean, well, first of all, uh, I, I couldn't even access Twitter if you took my cell phone. So um, it, it's not my cell phone. That's the thing. It's my mobile device. And, and that is my office. Whenever my business partners complain that my, my, my mobile bill, and I call it a mobile, I'm going to call it a cell phone. Uh, and I always say, listen, it's rent, because okay, that's my office. <laughs> So definitely you can take Twitter. I'll, I'll keep my mobile.
0: I should wrap up with the Mitch Joel question. So where can people find you, and how do you want us to buy the book?
5: I want you to buy the book in mass quantities. Uh, first off, Jay, thanks so much for the time. I appreciate it. I really enjoy all our conversations. Most of them aren't recorded, which makes them even more enjoyable. Uh, so, so thanks thanks for the conversation. Anybody can find me at www.twistimage.com forward slash blog. You can do a simple Google search for Mitch Joel. Or find me on any social network at like Mitch Joel One Word All Small Caps that includes Twitter things like that. You know, buy the book where you feel comfortable. Buy it retail. Buy it online. If you go to my blog, there are a bunch of places where you can order it from. Uh, I do know that if you order it from Amazon, you will have it in your hands right away. It will be available in all retail outlets as of September seventh. And uh, my thing is this: if you're listening to this and you're like, I know all this stuff, great. Do me a favor, buy the book. And pass it on to someone who does it. I promise you it will help grow your business too, because people read this and want to work with you.
0: Well, you guys all know I'm a huge fan of Mitch, and I, I wish you huge, massive success for the book and, and everything that will come from that.
5: Well, I appreciate the call and I appreciate the opportunity, and uh, hopefully this will, will help the cause.
0: Well, thank you so much to Mitch, Joel. You guys, uh, I think you get the, the the feeling. Mitch gets it. He's really plugged in, and he's a great guy too. So thanks to Mitch and Jay Hall and Neil Bryce and Janet Wentworth and Eric Wolf and Susan Bratton and absolutely everyone who participated in this show and everyone who gave me the shout-outs on Twitter and on and on and on. I look forward to meeting all of you on internetmarketingclub.org. We're having a lot of fun over there. There's a lot of great content, some killer videos and blogs and conversations already posted. In the next couple shows, I'll share my top 10 tips for doing business on Twitter. We'll meet the man behind at JetBlue. And the amazing Keith Ferrazzi, he calls himself the world's most networked man. You'll learn his tips and tricks from a great book called Never Eat Alone and his new book, Who's Got Your Back? I'd love you to participate in the next show. Call our call-in line, 24 hours a day, 206-888-6606. Well, Mitch has a great friend. He's a multi-selling platinum artist. His name's David Usher. David was a member of a band called Moist. Their 1994 debut release, Silver, went quadruple platinum. David's super active in social media, so he's one of the real rock stars who's publishing recorded works. He's sharing progress of music acoustic sets all on his blog. And he made this song available for podcasts on the Podsafe Music Network. It's called The Music. I know Mitch would be proud to hear his friend David Usher getting some airplay. So thank you all so much for listening. And we'll play out with David Usher, the music. Have a great week, everybody.
4: change the way i feel about you now new york is cold as ever still i go out every night hide myself among the lights bathing all the pretty things city brings but it's glistening they shine like the stars we're born to die like these roses we all fade Out from your eyes Be conscious on the bed There's no one in a in here In the mirror you'll find faith Plastic flowers never fade We all turn the gray i the car. the guilt out from your eyes pick yourself up off the bed there's no one in the city. here bodies glisten and they shine like the stars we're born and die like these roses we all fade
1: listening to the 10 Golden Rules of Internet Marketing Podcast. Please send comments and questions to podcast at 10goldenrules.com. That's podcast at 10goldenrules.com. Or use our call in line 206-888-6606.
2: for all your internet marketing needs.
3: This podcast is produced with
4: CastBlaster. Blaster.